This is Sacred Tension, the podcast about the discipline of asking questions. My name is Stephen Bradford Long, and this episode is brought to you by the patrons Jonathan, Miley, JP, and Chopra. Thank you so much. You are my personal lords and saviors. I could not do this show without you, but also, like, seriously, when I say you're my personal lords and saviors, that money, that Patreon money really comes through for me every single month. I so appreciate it. So if anyone listening who has not yet signed up for the Patreon, just go to patreon.com forward slash Stephen Bradford Long. For just a dollar a month, you get extra content every single week. You get the House of Heretics podcast where Timothy McPherson and I talk about all sorts of interesting things in the news. We talk about the books that we're reading. We talk about theology. We talk about a lot of social issues from our slightly divergent views. I am a Satanist. He is a Christian. I am a minister of Satan in the Satanic Temple. He is a former officer in the Salvation Army. So we have a very slight but overlapping view of the world and religion, and it's always a good time. Plus, it's a live show, so patrons get to listen in and join in on the chat. It's always a fun time. Also, if you haven't already, please join my Discord server. It is a really, really fun group of people. There's conversation going on in there all the time, and it's a diverse community. People from all sorts of theological, religious, philosophical backgrounds all hanging out in there together. We have Satanists, we have pagans, we have a few Christians in there, we have some boring garden variety atheists, but we still love you, and you are all welcome. So, you can also find the link in the show notes. And finally, if you haven't already, please subscribe to my newsletter. I try to write an article every single week in which I expound on philosophy, on satanic philosophy, on religion, on contemplative practice, meditation. The week that I am recording this episode, I released an article called Mysticism is Like Sex, which is very clickbaity, but uh, the basic premise is that mystical experience, self-transcendence, is a kind of universal biological experience. It is hardwired into the human brain. And so we can have these wonderful experiences of self-transcendence through drugs, through psychedelics, through dance, through meditation, through mantra, through all kinds of stuff. And Belief in God is not necessary for that. In the same way, sex is hardwired into the human experience. And you just because someone leaves their religious background doesn't mean that they have to stop having sex because they no longer believe that sex is between one man and one woman in the, in the covenant of a marriage, right? Mysticism or spiritual experience is similar. So that's the argument that I make in the article, and that's the kind of stuff that I cover on a weekly basis. So if that's interesting to you, there's a link in the show notes. Please hit subscribe there, and you will get me in your inbox like a zombie that just won't die no matter how many times you shoot it in the skull. All right, with all of that out of the way, June Everett, welcome to the show. Hi, Stephen. Thanks for inviting me on. Um, it's so nice to have a different change of pace and not be on the defense. So <laughs> talk to a friendly, a friend. <laughs> Absolutely. You're very much a friend. And um, yeah, so you're the director of the After School Satan Club, which has been getting lots of news all over the country. And 
So go ahead and just tell us some about who you are and what you do. Sure. So as you mentioned, um, I'm the campaign director for the Satanic Temple's After School Satan Club. Um, I originally uh, came to the Satanic Temple specifically because of my kiddos and an experience at the school that my son was attending at the time that had a good news club. Um, I was on the board of education for this particular school. And as an atheist, you know, I was kind of seeing little red flags here and there. And then I heard they were getting a good news club. And I kind of thought, okay, well, this is the beginning of the end. And it sure enough was. And I picked up my little guy from school one day upset because he had been essentially bullied on the playground um, by kids that attend the Good News Club. He was told, you know, he was going to burn in hell and that he was going to be separated from mom and dad and from our dog, Molly, at the time. And he was clearly upset. Um, and so I went to work the next day and I was talking to my manager about this. And he was like, you know, I think the Satanic Temple actually has something that is, you know, um, an alternative to the Good News Club. And you might want to look into that. So I started my research and it led me to the Satanic Temple Colorado. Um, and I'd reached out to Chris Turvey, who was our congregation lead at the time. And he said, you know, hey, come check out a few meetings, like get to know us, like get involved. We'll see, you know, how you fit in with no intention of ever being the campaign director for After School Satan Club. I became very involved. I got um, firsthand uh, what it felt like to actually belong to a church because I never had that growing up. Um, my family was fairly secular. We didn't attend church. So I'm kind of like, okay, I get it. Like, this is now my family and this is why people go to church and you have mm. this kinship and you have people that think like you and, um, you know, are on the same lines about, you know, their progressive ideas and thoughts like you were before I didn't have that. So after a couple years um, of, you know, kind of uh, getting experience as leadership with the Satanic Temple Colorado, Chris Turvey knocked on my door again and said, hey, do you want to become the Cambry Pain Director, you know, for After School Satan Club? And I was like, fuck no, no, thank you. <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah. And a year later, I think he asked me again and I was like, yep, no thanks. And then I think a year later, which would have been December of 2020, he asked me again and I was like, you know what? Fine. Fuck it. Let's do this thing. So I agreed. Um, I had a meeting with Malcolm Jerry and Lucian uh, Greaves at the time, and I got the green light to kind of do what I needed to do to make it happen. And that's kind of where I'm at today. And the rest is history. And just to clarify yep. for people who are new to the show, uh, Malcolm Jerry and Lucian Greaves are the co-founders of the Satanic Temple. And, um, yeah, and and funny aside, that was your response to leading anything in <laughs> leading a campaign was very much my response when I was asked not to lead a campaign but to do other work in TST and it literally up until the day I was asked I was like, you know, I think I would much rather just prefer to just be a content creator. I see how hard people in TST work. It like consumes their lives. I think I'm good. I think I'd rather just be a podcaster and then like and, and then I and then I get asked. You know the story behind Lucian and uh, if you've seen Hell Satan the documentary. Yes. He you know he was very reluctant and very not excited about becoming the spokesperson for the Satanic Temple. Yep. And it seems like people and I was I wasn't even thinking about this at the time, but it's the people that don't want the job that end up, I think, 
you know, being successful for some reason at, at doing it. I, I don't know what it is, what the weird psychological thing is there. But I just had this moment where I was like, you know, if Lauren Bobert can do this and get as far as she has, <laughs> yeah, true. I can fucking do anything. Like, I can do this shit. I'm Absolutely. <laughs> so she's my inspiration. I'm actually going to get a shirt that says, like, Lauren Bobert is my inspiration. <laughs> oh, you should send her a gift basket. I know. Every time I see her, I'm like, well, fuck it. If she can do it, I can definitely do it. I can do anything. You should send her, uh, yeah, you should send her like a yearly gift packet full of, you know, Baphomet Satan. cookies, Satan. Satan Club stuff, after school Satan Club items. I I want to, if we have time, I want to return to what you said earlier about how you'd never been in a church before and how this is very much, TST and your congregation is very much your church and you'd never experienced what it was like to be a church, be in a church. And you were like, oh, now I get it. Now I understand why people are in church. And I think that that's actually really important because as we all know, and as people who listen to this show know, one of the biggest things that is lobbed against TST's public actions is that they're just trolls and they aren't motivated by any kind of sincere religious belief or community, right? And so I think that you saying that this is your church and your cam, your, your congregation is your church, that I, th I think that is a really important prologue to all of this. So tell us some about After School Satan Club. Oh, and there was there was another thing that you mentioned, which was the Good News Club. So let's right. start with that. What is the Good News Club? So the Good News Club is an after school club that is paid for and sponsored by the Child Evangelism Fellowship. It is called the CEF. They're a huge nonprofit organization that has millions and millions and millions of dollars and lawyers at the ready at any given time. Um, they've been around for over 50 years and they got aggressive in the early 2000s with their after school program, which is called the Good News Club. And that goes into public schools in the United States where it got the attention of the satanic temple. It wasn't till, you know, 2016, 2017, when we actually w tried to launch after school Satan club, it was through the chapters at the time before we, you know, transitioned to calling them congregations. And it was kind of a shit show just because the chapters were responsible for getting their own insurance. And it was like inventing the wheel every time they tried to do a club. And it was just a lot of paperwork and sticking on, you know, these people, the superintendents and everybody who's involved in, um, you know, approving a facility use request is a huge pain in the ass. So it didn't work very well. And it was a solid effort, but it just couldn't it wasn't going to happen until we we did the reorganization, um, you know, just a few years ago. But having said that, um, the important part about the Good News Club and the CEF is that they won a Supreme Court ruling back in 2001. And this kind of set the stage for um, where we're at today with After School Satan Club. And basically the ruling said that if a public school opens their doors to any third party organizations after school. So 
Uh, bear in mind, you know, school sponsored events are in a separate category. So uh, choir club or maybe orchestra or band or any of the sports through the school. Those are school sponsored events. Third party organizations are like, you know, your local taekwondo place that's doing classes out of the school, the good news club, um, science clubs from third party organizations, anything like that. The the good, uh, the Supreme Court basically said, if you let those guys in, you can't discriminate against religious organizations also wanting access because now it's viewpoint discrimination. So the Good News Club won that case and basically opened the doors so that if a public school has anything, you know, third party going on in their facilities, it doesn't even necessarily have to be after school. They've opened up a limited public forum. And with that limited public forum, the Good News Club is able to operate. And so is After School Satan Club. I wanted to note that a lot of the school districts that have the Good News Club knocking on their door aren't necessarily happy about it. They don't necessarily want them there because they understand the tactics of the Good News Club and how they use children that attend the club to proselytize to other children that aren't attending the club. So a lot of the school districts I talk to and a lot of the people that know the Good News Club don't want them there, but they understand that their hands are tied uh, because of the Supreme Court ruling back in 2001. Um, so, so that kind of leads us to where we are today. The Satanic Temple um, you know, changed things around a bit so that we had campaign directors, specific people that would lead each of the Satanic Temple's initiatives as far as campaigns go. And what that allows is one person to solely focus on, you know, the campaign efforts for that particular um, movement. So with After School Satan Club, you know, I was able to really sit down, put that, put together a process, kind of learn what needed to happen, get, get the correct insurance in place, and be that person that literally like nails these people like eight times a day to get shit moving along. Because if it's up to them, they'll fucking ignore us or they'll try to find any hoop to jump through that could possibly like put us out. They'll try to find any red tape that they can find. Meanwhile, the Good News Club is up and going. So, um, you know, we only go into the schools that do have a Good News Club and we only go into the schools that have a parent or a teacher that requests us to be there. Um, a lot of the interviews I've done recently, we've been accused of accuse, uh, targeting good news clubs. And I'm like, well, there's 6,000 good news clubs in the United States. There's six after school Satan clubs. <laughs> if we were really targeting them, don't you think we'd have at least a thousand? I don't know. Like, so, you know, it's really small scale um, as far as what, you know, after school Satan club, you know, where we're at today. But of course, we do hope to to grow the program in a lot more schools in the future. I think what some people might be concerned about hearing this and I'm, you know, people who would otherwise support the Satanic Temple and support kind of the goals of After School Satan Club, which is, you know, to provide an alternative. What would you say to people who are like, I don't know, this sounds a bit like proselytizing to me. What do you say to people who are concerned about proselytizing? Sure. So we first off, we don't proselytize. So that's a that's a that's a hard line. We, we we there's no concerns about it because we don't do it. 
Um, you know, what we do in our clubs is have activities and projects that are inspired by the seven tenets of the satanic temple. But we don't tell these kids, okay, kids, here's the seven tenets. We need to memorize. We're going to sing songs about them. You need to go <laughs> spread the good word to all of your friends. The good word and of Satan to all of, yeah, your, Satan, to Satan, all of Satan. your friends. <laughs> the funny thing is, the ironic, funny, I don't know what you want to call it, is we could. We could. We yes, very that... well could if we wanted to. We can do whatever we want. We're renting the facilities. As long as we're not breaking any state, federal laws, or any of the rules in the policy that comes with a facility use, a rental agreement, we're allowed to do whatever the fuck we want. Like, no one... The schools can't tell us what to do. Our own satanic temple members can't tell us what to do. If tomorrow I decided and um, Lucian and Malcolm decided, you know what, fuck it. Let's start teaching about the seven tenets and let's start teaching these kids to go tell their classmates about the seven tenets. And, you know, um, the God isn't real. And, you know, Satan is really the, you know, the the good guy and whatever. Uh, we could do it, but we choose not to. And we choose not to use these kiddos as tools to try to, you know, proselytize or indoctrinate their classmates. Yes, so. absolutely. And also, I think that, that that's generally a rule. Like I, as a minister, you're a minister as well. We I don't, am, yep. We don't proselytize. We don't. As the Satanic Temple does not proselytize, and that is true in all settings, even in Almost settings. Almost to a fault. Almost, <laughs> yes, that's true. Because I was going to say, you know, we had our um, pride booth set up uh, over the summer. And there was a line of 20 people waiting to check us out, either buy merch or talk to us about the Satanic Temple Colorado. And I kind of went out there and was like, you know, just, and my congregation leader was like, no, we do not process. I'm like, well, they're kind of coming to us. Or <laughs> I'm not going out there and like, you know, trying to talk them over to our booth. Like they're in our line, so it should be okay. But it is funny how we're so super hypersensitive about it as well. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I shared that hypersensitivity. It TST simply does not proselytize. A lot of the reason why is because plurality is I believe in my perspective central to the principles of TST. It is a primary principle. And so TST in my view attempts to coexist with other religions. Exactly. That's the point. And I think that the the Baphomet is just a beautiful representation of this, where in that symbol there is the unity of angelic and demonic. There's the caduceus, which represents the reconciliation of opposites. There's male and female. There's light and dark. And so right. it's about the reconciliation of opposites and that holding that tension. And so it it isn't necessarily adversarial in a my way or the highway sense or authoritarian sense, right? And so because of that core principle, I think that the culture within TST is just very adverse to any kind of proselytizing. The satanic temple is, in my view, about coexisting with and existing in tension with others. Absolutely. Especially in the public space where other religious organizations and religious denominations have the majority. And it's, you know, comes down to the point where, uh, you know, Satanists do naturally tend to be careful and guarded in their communities in fear of backlash. I don't know how many volunteers I get that are concerned. Oh, you know, if my employer finds out I'm involved with after school Satan club, 
I'm worried about my job. And so, you know, that's the whole sense with pseudonyms and a lot of the people that use that um, in the satanic temple. And at the end of the day, we've grown to a point and we continue to grow that as as we continue to make ourselves known and occupy the public space that other religious organizations are occupying, our communities get to see that we are a proud religion. We are a community of self-identified Satanists across the world and that we want to have the same abilities to provide positivity in the communities that the other you know, church religious organizations get to. Like we want people to know that we're here, we're doing good things, um, that your assumptions about us are wrong based on your ideology. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we have the same constitutional and First Amendment rights as, as, as anyone else who's occupying that space. And I think what's so remarkable is when people hear that message and and say something like, they say that they are for plurality and are not going to proselytize and then go on to say what the temple really means, <laughs> which right. is they are going to invade the schools and they're going to bring darkness into the community. And what they actually want to do is, you know, destroy the world, essentially exactly. destroy the community. How do you so how do you respond to that? It's that and, and that point is an original, by the way. Lucian made that point last week in the episode that we did together. And how do you how do you respond to that when that comes up, when people just don't believe you? You know, it's hard because I know, Stephen, you mentioned, you know, watching part of the Chesapeake Public School District Board of Education meeting that took place a few weeks ago. Yes. One person even said, well, they're not even a real religion, so they shouldn't have these First Amendment rights that you're speaking of. And it's like, wait, what? So that's just part of the First Amendment, you know, the Establishment Clause, but it doesn't mean that we're just disregarded as citizens. Um, so I think what it comes down to is people are so indoctrinated from day one, you know, with their belief system that they couldn't possibly see Satan as anything else as evil. And when we ask them to dig a little deeper and we ask them to research us and we tell them what we're going to do and we tell them that you can sit and watch us make dog tie ropes for the local dog shelter, that we're not hexing people and we're not like, you know, sacrificing baby goats and we're not telling these kids, you know, to to worship Satan or or whatever they think in their mind. But, you know, I think a lot of people and so uh, somebody brought this up to me in it and it really, you know, was like, you're right. A lot of people today, I feel like that that's uh, what's the tie to their religious beliefs and their religious indoctrination is a privilege in a way. And when we come in, we're challenging that privilege and they have a really fucking hard time with that. You know, they're not necessarily smarter than us or better looking than us or more powerful than us or more, you know, more wealthy than us. And for us to be equals, they have to have something uh, to hold again, you know, so it's like when we all of a sudden get put on an equal level playing field, they take big issue to it and they don't want to fucking hear what we actually are and what we're actually doing and why we're actually here. Mm. You know, Joseph Laycock in his book, Speak of the Devil, says that one of the reasons why Church of Satan was never accused of, quote, not being a religion, whatever the hell that means, is because Church of Satan never asserted itself politically. And so, you know, Joseph Laycock's theory is that there are kind of these two tiers of religion. There are what are called the world religions, which are religions like 
Christianity, Islam, Judaism, Buddhism, Hinduism, Mormonism, Protestant denominations, Catholicism, Catholicism yep. et cetera, et cetera, right? And, and these world religions, they have holy books very often. They have figureheads. They have political power and economic power. But then there's this whole world of the like weird underdog religions. And those are indigenous religions. Those are occult religions. Those are new religious movements. Those are that. And Satanism is included in the like underdog religions, right? Absolutely. And the minority, the yeah. minority religions. And they're, mm -hmm. they're the weird ones. And so when people think about interreligious dialogue, they aren't thinking about dialogue between a Satanist and a Catholic priest. They're, they're thinking about dialogue between a Buddhist and a Catholic or between a Christian and a Muslim. It, it, so it's almost like the minority religions aren't even really considered to be part of the conversation. But there's this whole world of kind of the underworld of minority religions. And when those minority religions assert themselves, it's it's like the underworld asserting itself into the overworld. And there is this inversion that takes place that makes people incredibly uncomfortable. And it's like Satanism is only allowed to be real as long as it stays in the shadows. Right. And as long as it conforms to our ideology of what Satanism should be when yeah. we explain it's not devil worship, you know, Satanism is especially for the satanic temple and people that follow, um, you know, non-theistic Satanism that we don't believe, you know, in a literal Satan and they just cannot wrap their brain around that. <laughs> I know. No, my favorite, there are people, there are people who, who get so sad when they hear <laughs> that I don't worship a literal Satan. But or then that I'm a devil to, worshiper. Well, then why do you call yourself that? And it's like, we can, like Lucian said, call ourselves whatever the fuck we want to. <laughs> so uh, what sort of curriculum is in the after school Satan program? So I'm so glad you asked because I do get that question often. Like people want to know, what are you teaching these kids? So we did have a very, very, very nice curriculum packet put together that Shalice and a couple other people that were working after school Satan Club back in 2016 and 2017 put together. It was really impressive. I, I have month, to I have to interrupt you really fast and say sure. that in early sacred tension history, I did interview Shalice Blythe uh, back in like 2017 or 2018 when all that was when all that was happening. So everyone should go listen nice. to that. And I apologize for the audio because it was back in the day when I didn't know what I was doing. So anyway, everyone go listen to that. Shalice Blythe I'm is gonna, amazing. I didn't know you did that. And I'm going to have to go check it out as well because Shalice Perfect. is amazing. And of course, I called her 15 times before I ever like pulled the trigger on anything because I wanted to, you know, get all of her background. You know, she was such, she was so great in kind of leading me down the right path on what I needed to do, things to be careful of, things to be mindful of, how aggressive I was going to have to be in this whole thing. Um, so Shalice is amazing. So, yep, Shalice and a couple other people put together a really nice curriculum packet. So when I finally got my hands on it, I have, you know, two kids, two young children. Um, and I started, I was like, all right, I'm going to test this on them and see, see what they think. 
And they're kind of like, oh, this feels like this kind of feels like school, mom, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> so what, <"Shit."> what? <laughs> so in that original packet, what kind of stuff was there? So like for for the month of October, for example, they're learning about bats and echolocation. And they're like, I, I personally find it fascinating, but they were like having to answer questions about echolocation and the different bats and what what, you know, different what different animals use it to to communicate um, and then I think like November had a lot to do with the indigenous people and what mm-hmm. happened, you know, with the history of the United States and how the Native Americans were here first. And so it's a lot of what they kind of do get in school. And it was absolutely based around um, the seven tenets and satanic principles. But it was very much so like sit down and learn and listen and do the things. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with Malcolm Jerry, but he is a very big proponent of independent learning. Mm -hmm. Um, He believes that, you know, the public school system really just teaches children to kind of be trained to go into this like slavery for capitalism, essentially, you know, you, you, you just work, 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 and then die. Right. (laughs) And it's just school is just sit and listen and sit and listen and shut up and take the test. And then, you work and then you die. <laughs> right. So he he really wanted, you know, uh, after school Satan club to be um, fun and be a place that kids look forward to going to. And it's not something that they're sit, you know, sit down, be quiet, told to, you know, um, pay attention. So when I ran it by the kids and after talking to Malcolm, I decided to really make the after school Satan club curriculum, if you want to call it um, really sort of based on not only the seven tenants, but community projects and different activities that maybe are too messy for kids to do at home or that, you know, um, uh, that they don't get to do in school because it's just, it's, it's too fun, you know? Uh, so like we've done a lot of painting rocks and like putting them throughout the community. We did the dog tie ropes that we got to deliver to the Humane Society, making cards with glitter and all sorts of fun stuff for sick kids in the children's hospital. Um, They did build Da Vinci bridges in one of the clubs last school year, which was really fun. And the kids enjoyed that. Um, I know that for Hale this week, um, my volunteer came up with this great idea to put together little emergency cards for each of the kids to have in their backpack in case they need to call a parent. And then also in case this child goes missing, which I thought was a was a great thing that, you know, that, to have and little little projects, all kinds of stuff that really are um, based around what the volunteers are interested in and what the kids for that particular club might be interested in. So they're all unique. And at the end of the day, if a kid doesn't want to participate in that particular activity, we have a whole slew of other things they can do. Um, as long as they don't, you know, leave the classroom, um, they're free to go color. They're free to go paint. They're free to go play a game. They're free to go make a friendship bracelet so that they're not bored and they're not like locked into something that they don't find interesting and that they are free to explore. And so that's kind of where the curriculum is. I, I know people get disappointed when they hear that, but you know, our goal is for them to have fun and want to come back and to be in a safe place where they can be themselves and to, you know, do as they wish um, in a safe uh, environment. That sounds amazing. I wish that I had had that as a kid. That would have been amazing if that was in my school. No, me too. <laughs> um, you just said something. Hail. What is that? So hail is our newest and it's still, you know, in the very early stages. And when I say that, it's because we only have one program. It is our Hellion Academy of Independent Learning release time religious instruction program. And I know that was a lot. Um, (laughs) 
Uh, we went back and forth for weeks over the name because, of course, Lucian had some amazing acronyms, uh, just like, you know, ASSC, Ass Club, After School Satan Club. Um, so <laughs> I, I have to say, I have to say, Satanists and our acronyms. We are, we are was, big fans oh, of, of clever acronyms, yeah. almost to yeah. the same degree that we're fans of cats. Yep. Almost, which I need one, by the way, a black one, preferably mm -hmm. um, cat. <laughs> but there, it was funny, like watching, uh, there were like three or four of us going back and forth for weeks trying to to knock, to, to nail down an acronym that made sense for what this release time religious instruction program would be named in hopes that also in the future, um, we have our own uh, private school that would be uh, funded with voucher money. Um, the Supreme Court had passed um, another uh, case this past summer where they're allowing voucher money to go to uh, religious organization, uh, religious schools um, before they weren't allowed to do that. And now they are. So um, we're looking into that in the future as well. Wow. Um, but not to get too far off of, of your question, um, what's happening right now is with these release time religious instruction programs, they're sweeping the country with a company called LifeWise Academy. They're basically a competitor to the Good News Club. They also offer after school clubs like they do in Ohio. One of my after school Satan clubs is in um, a school district in Ohio that has LifeWise Academy operating right after school, just like the Good News Club. But these guys, what they do is they pick the kids up in the middle of the day. They take them down the street to visit the local church for Bible instruction, and then they bring them back to school. Um, there's different state laws around it, but basically they're allowed to do this as long as it doesn't interfere with core instruction. So uh, LifeWise Academy can find a time where the kids would normally be either like in PE or maybe music or maybe science class or something that's not like considered core. Um, so, yeah, they're sweeping the country. And uh, my volunteer that came to me uh, was sad because her and uh, her kids and a couple other kids are the ones left behind every week because she doesn't want to send them to Bible uh, school in the middle of the school day. And so these kids are left there just kind of twiddling their thumbs, like killing an hour, you know, in the middle of the school day. So we were able to put this program together so that she and a couple other volunteers take the kids, you know, that we have like seven or eight signed up now. And they go to the library down the street in the middle of the school day and they do the same similar activities after school Satan Club does. They walk around the library, check out a few books, and then they go back to school. And, um, you know, we hope to really get this up and going in some of these other states that have, you know, LifeWise Academy doing the release time program. That's fantastic. That's amazing. Yeah, um, it, it came it came across a little faster than I was planning just because um, Susanna Plum, who's my volunteer there, had originally wanted After School Satan Club. Um, so Susanna Plum uh, was the one that pushed for After School Satan Club in York County, Northern York School District, where we've had a lot of stuff going on. Um, they said, no, uh, by the way, we don't like the name Satan. Um, if you could just take that out, you know, so we got all kinds of um, First Amendment violations on them. But so they said, you know, why don't you just do what LifeWise Academy is doing? Why don't you just do what they're doing? Thinking that we wouldn't, you know, that they're trying to call our bluff. And so we were like, fuck it, let's do it. And we did it. <laughs> 
So that's yeah, it's that's been great. it's been great. I also have to say, Hale has the best logo in all of the Satanic Temple. Another Stephen put that together, and um, yeah, it's amazing, and it's so cute, and it's actually inspired um, us to put together a coloring book that we hope uh, we're going to be able to put out soon. Yeah. So. Where do I want to go with this? <laughs> There's a lot of places. <laughs> there are so many there are so many places. I think that there might be some people out there who assume that these Christian religious after school programs like the Good News Club that they are basically just trying to to fill a need for, you know, a, a, and and provide a place for kids whose parents might be working or whatever the case may be, right? Sure. That is very much not the case. <laughs> yep. So, and sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Well, Go no, ahead. you're good. You're good. So, what what does after uh, what does the Good News Club and similar children's programs say they do? Because they're very open about what they do. They sure. say it. What do they say well, that they do they they leave out the part and i got a couple good uh thoughts on this that i wanted to share and i hope i don't forget them all they leave out the part where they don't consider you know catholics true christians mormons true christians there's actually a whole list of people that they don't consider true christians so even the parents that send their kids hey yeah sure we're christian like yeah no problem with that mom gets an extra hour to get shit done in the afternoon or 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 you know knock out some more work like it's harmless right the Good News Club does not come clear on the fact that, you know, they tell these kids you're going to burn in hell and you you are born sinful and they don't beat around the bush about it. I mean, like in the classes and to these kids, there's not I mean, they're they're from the child evangelism fellowship. I mean, evangelism being the key word Their 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 goal is to evangelize. And so their curriculum it includes just that. And I was just talking to someone the other day that you know, I don't think, and I don't think the satanic temple would have such a problem with the good news club. If that wasn't one of their main tactics to use these children that attend the club where parents, you know, maybe don't have informed consent because it is so fucking convenient. Yeah. It's right after school that, you know, that's awesome. Move it to seven o'clock PM and let's see who shows up. Right. When, now you got to come back to the school and shoot. It's during dinner time. And wait, what, who are these people? And like, exactly. Oh, that they're not part of our church. Like we're not going to know, but you know, they take advantage of the convenience of it all. And um, absolutely that gray area where, you know, my kid's kindergarten teacher was the one teaching the club. So here you have Miss Francione teaching about history and American, you know, um, sign language and math. And here are the facts. And then 10 minutes later, you were born a sinner. You're going to die in hell. Your job is to go tell everybody that you know this, get them to come, you know, to uh, our church, which is an evangelical church. Like, so there's so much to it that is fucked up um, that if, you know, if, if that's all it was, was just, hey, let's just hang out and maybe talk about Jesus a little bit. Cause he was a cool dude, I guess, you know, his fan club kind of sucks, but um, you know, let's just like, <laughs> let's just hang out. And, and there's no other ulterior evangelism motive. I don't think that there would be such a problem. Exactly. 
there is. So yeah. that's not what they're doing. I got for like, are they really doing that June? Yeah, they're really fucking doing it. Like I legit picked up my kid sad and scared that we weren't churchgoers. And um, that choice of being able to tell him about heaven and hell and all the things like was taken away from me, thanks to the Good News Club. Not that I'm trying to be this sad victim here, but it's definitely eye-opening and they are definitely absolutely using that. And they're going into our public schools and they're taking advantage of parents um, and guardians that don't know exactly what they're all about. Um, There's a really great book by Catherine Stewart. Uh, She's, I think... You know, she was really involved with the the Satanic Temple in the early days of After School Satan Club. I know Shalice and Ada King and a lot of those people still keep in touch with Catherine. She's in the in Europe right now, but I read her book, you know, starting this whole thing off, and it was it's a really good read. It talks about how a lot of these parents have no idea what they're doing and the 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 rift that they're causing in their communities. Yet they look at us and say, "No, we're the ones." that are causing all the, you know, commotion and uprise. I'm like, not yeah. quite. Not Read the quite. book. Yeah. You know, I um I used to be a Christian missionary, little known fact about me. Actually, it isn't little known. I talk about it all the time. But I was in an organization called YWAM or Youth with a Mission. And I met a lot of people who were into children children's evangelism. And, you know, being missionaries to children. And I don't know if any of them were involved in the after school program and the Good News Club. But in those circles, there was just no ambiguity about what they were doing and how they were doing it and why. And so they would they would say things like the vast majority of people's religions are formed when they are children. Yep. And if you don't get them, if you Mm -hmm. don't get them during that time, then the chances of them converting later in life are very, very, very slim. And so really the big window of opportunity for getting people to join our religion is when they are children and teenagers. Yeah. And the Good News Club has actually had a couple documentaries done on them and they've been, you know, caught quoting Uh, You know, we try to get them before they can read like all of their curriculum Mm -hmm. doesn't include any sort of words or anything. So by the time middle school and high school hits, not only does the law change um, that prohibits the Good News Club from going into middle schools and high schools, the kids are already kind of past that window. Um, So that's where you have, you know, Young young Life and the organization, some of the other organizations, the evangelical evangelical organizations that are taking over middle schools and high schools. And those are supposed to be student led clubs. But they, um, they of course, they aren't uh, Young we Life. Know. We know Young Life did no. crazy fact about Young Life. Their headquarters or their really, really big camp in Oregon is Bogwan's former cult. That wild, wild country was made. <laughs> it was yes. it was based on. Anyway, like that's, that's not eerie. And they're they're based in Colorado Springs. Um, oh, which that's is, right. Yeah. So yeah. we have them, and then the Christian athletes, or what is it? Association, uh, 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 Fellowship of Christian Athletes. That's it. That's they're another everywhere baby. too. Yep. So I have middle school and high school kids reaching out. Can you bring after school Satan Club here? Well, no, we can't. But you can do a student-led club if you'd like. Um, And here's what you need to do. You need to find the policies. And we're not even sure if the requirement that comes with the student-led clubs, which is they have to have a staff 
or student sponsor be available. And most staff and student sponsors that I've, um, you know, that these kids have reached out to are like either involved in more progressive groups already in Mm -hmm. the schools, or they're worried about the backlash that would come with that. We would like to test that in court, but unfortunately we haven't got to that point yet where we're ready to, um, you know, I have a middle school kid who's, I did, I did. And then they moved out of district and it all got messed up. But um, we we're, we're hoping to test that, you know, is that really a lawful requirement? Because that would keep the minorities out, you know, if, That's true. if people, if, if people are afraid of backlash, then they're not, then teachers and staff aren't going to want to um, help sponsor any student led clubs associated with the satanic temple. Um, so we're going to test that hopefully someday. And, uh, hopefully I can get some middle schoolers that are and high schoolers that are really excited about, you know, we were thinking either Dungeons and Dragons or, you know, music or, or movie club, something that offers those kids an alternative after school as well. You can add on another layer of moral panic if you do Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, I know. Satanic <laughs> panic, like 101. So... <laughs> I, yeah. So basically what I'm hearing you say is that student led programs might be in the future, but that that still the groundwork still needs to be laid for that. They are. Actually, it is. I'm ready to go on it. Nice. I, That's awesome. I am ready to roll. I have full approval. I just cannot find. I don't know if it's like that. I'm a boomer now. And these these kids these days, you know, but they yeah. reach out to me and I tell them what they need to do that they need to find the school district board policies that they need to research what it's going to take to become a student led mm-hmm. club. Sometimes they have to go in front of a board of education. Um, sometimes they have to, you know, uh, have a treasurer and, you know, different officers. And I want them, every school district's different. And I'm like, okay, here's the guidelines. Here's what you need to do. You need to do, you know, find the policies, find a student led or a student sponsor or a staff member. If you can't find one, let us try and help you, like maybe a parent volunteer that's willing to sit down and make sure kids aren't hanging from the ceilings because you know how middle schoolers can be <laughs> um, hanging from the ceiling fans, I should say. Uh, but they like never really get back to me. And I'm like, come on, what did yeah. I say? What did I do? Like, come on, guys, like, let's do this. <laughs> Like I said, I had the one kiddo and then he um, unfortunately moved out of district yeah. and there wasn't any any student led clubs at that dis- at that school. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just thinking about the psychology of indoctrinating kids and how harmful it is and the alternative that after school Satan Club is offering to that. So I grew up in a Christian home, very conservative Christian. And as a child, I was terrified of hell because I thought the sky was going to open up at any given time. Yes. And that you were going to like fall down into a burning heap of dead people burning in hell for eternity. For eternity, yes. And mm-hmm. and what was even more terrifying was that all the adults seemed perfectly fine with it. Like think about think about what that must be like for a child for a moment. Right. I mean, think you know what is it like to be? And you know, I was I was a really sensitive kid. I was really shy, really kind of creative and shy and artistic and didn't really talk, really didn't use my words until I was about six or seven. Like I was I was very, very, very withdrawn and very sensitive. And being told that people who don't accept Jesus into their hearts are going to 
burn in basically a cosmic gas chamber for the rest of eternity, for all eternity. And, you know, there are these vivid descriptions of, you know, Fire when and brimstone and just burning and horrific face melting off. And, and, yep. and there are pictures that that accompany it in like these these books that they read to you. <laughs> and and, you know, after 100 million years of that, that is the equivalent of just the first moment of an of an infinity of moments. And right. and so, you know, I would like wake my parents up crying because I would just be like in bed thinking about this. And they would come into my bedroom and be like, oh, no, Stephen, it's okay. You have accepted Jesus. You are fine. And I'm like, that's not helping. And, and you know, it's just deeply horrifying. And then from the perspective of a small child to look around and see that all the adults are just okay with this. All of the yeah. adults are just okay with this Holocaust Adults that you that that are presumably the good ones, adults mm -hmm. who are supposed to take care of you, just being okay with the absolute slaughter of millions and millions of people, right? How because fucked up is that? That's what they were taught, right? Yes, and exactly. I'm, I'm in the minority of Satanists that didn't have that as mm -hmm. a child. As having a Jewish mother and a dad that was kind of like, you don't have to go to church to be a good Christian type. I didn't have threats of eternal damnation and you have to accept Jesus Christ into your heart. Cause my mom, you know, being Jewish doesn't even, you know, acknowledge that Jesus is the, you know, um, as our savior. So I didn't have that. And when I hear these stories from like, you know, people like you, Stephen, and, and other friends that are in the community, I'm just like baffled that that's how, you know, your childhood went. Like, that there's somebody always watching and at any given time, if you just barely fuck up and, but wait, I was born with all this sin and how, ugh, like the anxiety involved there. Like, I just can't imagine. Oh, it's, it's awful. It is so bad. And so that's, that is what after school Satan club is providing an alternative to just to make it, it really vivid for, and for I wanted, people. I wanted to know one more thing about indoctrination. Yeah. Personally, just because I wasn't indoctrinated into any specific religion. And I wanted to make a point that my kids weren't either. They see what I'm doing with the Satanic Temple. They see what I'm doing with After School Satan Club. And without even trying, they're like, well, yeah, I'm a Satanist. Done deal. That's that's what I'm doing. Like, wait, and I'm like, wait, hold on, hold on. Like, <laughs> I've had the I've, same experience. Not yeah. not with kids, but but with people who I've worked with, IRL, with friends, with just people who've who've read my work, and they're sure. like, "This is badass. I'm doing this. I'm a Satanist now." And I'm like, "Wait, wait, 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 stop." Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> so so even when you're like trying not to proselytize or indoctrinate children into yeah. this. They see what, you know, we're, what the good works we're doing and how, you know, I explain to them why it's important that religious pluralism is a thing and that we, um, you know, are open to people with different ideas and different beliefs. And I even teach them, you know, that the Christian, like a lot of people think that we have it out for Christianity. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not it at all. Like we, we have issues with certain parts of, of certain, you know, sex doing thing, not sex S E X, but S E C T S um, doing things in our public government atmosphere. Mm -hmm. But it's just amazing to me that, you know, even when I'm trying not to indoctrinate my children, 
they're like indoctrinated. Like it's not hard to do. Um, they just see <laughs> what mom and dad are doing and they're like, that's what I want to do that. So I can see how even as Christians, you know, even if you're trying not to like scare the living shit out of your kids on a daily basis, mm -hmm. if that's your religion and that's what you believe and that's what you're talking about in at home, that's what your kids are going to kind of align with, you know? Absolutely. And that was, that was my experience too, where my parents never, they, they never talked explicitly about hell, but it was just in the air. I just absorbed it. Right. And, sure. and I think that this is where an important delineation needs to be made between just the effects of healthy and unhealthy religion. The problem is not religion. The religion is part of life. I am not an anti-theist and I'm right. not opposed to religion. I think religion in its best forms is wonderful and beautiful. Hence, I am religious. I, I'm a deeply religious person. So I, I, but there is such a thing as unhealthy religion and healthy religion and, and healthy. Yep. Go on. Go that, on. I was going to say that that's the part that scares the ant. Cause I, I was absolutely an anti-theist before finding the satanic temple. Mm. Um, because I saw what it did to people. I've seen what it's done to countries, wars fought, you know, um, all the things in the division, even in my personal life. And I'm like, ah, that's it. Religion is just fucking terrible. It's awful. And then I found the satanic temple and realized that there is a difference between, like you mentioned, unhealthy religion and healthy religion. And then I realized, oh, this is what healthy religious beliefs are and this is what a healthy religious community feels like yes you know and 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 i'm like wait i'm i'm just yeah i'm not an anti-theist i'm just anti you know certain unhealthy religions that have you know the majority in this country at the moment <laughs> yeah and i'm and i'm not even necessarily opposed to supernatural belief i personally don't agree don't sure. believe in the supernatural but, but if I, it serves a purpose but yeah and but you for know betterment yeah, I don't I don't give a fuck if you talk to wood elves. I don't care. I only care if the wood elves tell you not to vaccinate your kids. That's when I start to care. <laughs> exactly. Like if if you know, you'd like to believe that if it brings you comfort and if it brings you joy and it allows you to do good things in the world and it puts out a positive healthy vibe and it's not an excuse to hate and to, you know, exercise violence and to, um, you know, uh, uh, take away other people's rights um, and exclude them as people. Then, you know, I'm all about it. But the minute it crosses that line, you know, that's yeah. obviously where we have problems. Yeah. One of the ways in which I agree with some of my Christian friends where a lot of my Christian friends, progressive Christian friends, really take that quote by Jesus where he says, judge a tree by its fruit, seriously, meaning the ultimate test of a religion and a belief system, not even a religion, but just a belief system, is yeah. how does it motivate us to treat other people? How right. does it motivate us to treat our neighbor? Right. Does a religion compel us to act with compassion and empathy towards all creatures in accordance with reason, to quote the first tenet, right? Does, and Does it make you a better person at exactly, the end of the day? Exactly, exactly. And, and absolutely, finding the satanic temple and finding my satanism has made me i can't even be I, i'm you know this normal looking middle-aged pto mom 
And I might have been that person to like go all Karen on somebody at a Walmart 10 years ago for whatever reason. And now it's like, okay, let's take a deep breath. Like everybody has, like, it's just allowed me so much more empathy and compassion just in my everyday life that I am such a better person to the point where, you know, even my husband's like, so you're just going to let this slide? Like what just happened? And I'm like, you know, they're probably having a bad day and that's okay, you know? And mm-hmm. I, it's made me a better parent. I'm not so like uh, uh, nitpicky on my kids, like what they want to wear and what they want to say and how they want to be as individuals. I used to be a lot more controlling in that sense. And, um, you know, when we go to these after school Satan clubs and I'm there at the launch and there's all these upset protesters and I see them and I'm and I'm empathetic to them because I understand what they're passionate about. And I understand that they're exercising a right. And a part of me is just like, I just want to, you know, bring them donuts and hot chocolate and be like, listen, y'all, like we're sharing this. Isn't this beautiful that we can do this together without getting too like, woo, you know, um, you know, it's made me a much better person. And if that's what your religion is allowing you to do, then hell yes. But if it's if it's causing because this happened, uh, we had someone off, you know, threatened to bring a baseball bat and start bashing our heads in at after school Satan Club. It's like, OK, uh, let's think for just a minute. Uh, is Jesus cool with that? Would Jesus be <laughs> right. OK with that? You know, like like let's 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 really focus on where it's driving your um, your attention. Is it driving it towards hate? Or is it driving it towards love? Um, And what would Jesus say (laughs) about that? I think that is a fantastic note to end on. I think so, Um, too. Yeah. So this has been wonderful. It is so great to spend this time with you. And I so appreciate you giving me your time. It means a lot. Thank you, Stephen. I loved coming on and talking. And I appreciate you reaching out and being flexible with your schedule and my crazy day. And it was great. And I love talking about... Um, you know, with other Satanists, especially ordained ministers and people within the Satanic Temple about how amazing our religion really is at the end of the day. Absolutely. For people who want to find out more about After School Satan Club, where can they do that? So we can, um, you can always email me, uh, june.everett at the Satanic Temple.org. Um, you can find me at ASSC at the satanic temple.com. And then you can always just go to the satanic temples website and do a contact us and I'll get the message um, fairly quickly. They're pretty good at like sorting out where uh, different contacts need to go within the organization. Perfect. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Stephen. Have a good rest of your day. And that is it for this show. The music is by 117. The theme song is Wild. You can find it on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you listen to music. The show is written, produced, and edited by me, Stephen Bradford Long, and it is made possible by my patrons at patreon.com forward slash Stephen Bradford Long. As always, hail Satan. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.